Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to The World in 10, your daily roundup of the biggest stories from across the world as seen through the eyes of the Times of London. I'm Eleanor Shearwood. And I'm Holly Keogh. There are more concerns in the US over China spying. We'll hear what it's really like on a key Ukrainian battleground. And a debate in the UK on censorship moves to children's books. We'll have all of that and more in the next 10 minutes. Over the past few weeks, the relationship between China and the US has become increasingly tense. Well, the Times today has the latest update on this, and it's that the US is worried about China buying farmland there. If you're wondering why that is, it's because it's farmland which is close to military and nuclear sites, and the US is worried it's using it to spy on them. And of course, this all comes just three weeks after the US shot down a 200-foot object flying over their airspace. They thought it was a spy balloon, although China insisted it was just for monitoring the weather. It even led to a key diplomatic visit to Beijing being cancelled. And ever since, Americans have been more and more wary of spying. Well, David Charter is one of the authors of this piece for The Times, and he told us how it's affected the public. I think the most shocking thing for Americans is that the spy balloon is really opening their eyes to snooping from China that's not taking place 60,000 feet above them, but potentially right next door to their military bases. There just seems to be a greater eavesdropping threat from, than a balloon through the Chinese purchase of American land and companies that are part of sensitive supply chains in food and technology, as well as from mobile phone masks with Huawei components or from TikTok downloaded on millions of American phones. I thought it was really interesting what he said there about TikTok because that concern is not just in America. It's been spreading all over the world. This week in the news, we've seen that the European Commission has banned its staff from having the app on their phones. And some MPs here in the UK want our government to do the same. Well, so far, Rishi Sunak, our Prime Minister, has been completely resisting those calls. And our Foreign Secretary told Times Radio he doesn't even have it. So I'm always very, very conscious of my uh, digital footprint. And also, I don't have an awful lot of spare time in my life, quite frankly. 
Well, last year, the US government banned TikTok on federal government-issued devices because of national security concerns. And the spying seems to be something they're taking seriously. Next week, a congressional committee is due to hold its first public meeting on America's ability to tackle it. David Charter told us the president knows just how important this is. President Biden has clearly identified China as America's number one global adversary. And politicians are determined to pass laws restricting Chinese ownership of land and critical infrastructure. It's just part of a wider rejection of globalisation in the US and will, I think, lead to more efforts to reshore industry and cut China out of supply chains because that is also increasingly popular with voters. It's not just the US where this matters either. Japan's also looking into hundreds of transactions by Chinese corporations to buy plots close to its military facilities. Now, yesterday marked one year since Russia invaded Ukraine, and it was a big day of reflection. And actually, I think sometimes it's easy to forget that the war is still ongoing. But today in the Times Foreign section, we've got a first-hand account from Anthony Lloyd. He's the Times war correspondent there about a struggle for the key city of Bakhmut in Ukraine's east. Yeah, there was one quote that stood out to me. Mm -hmm. The city's empty streets, the air singing with the sound of flying projectiles, interspersed with the thump of detonations in nearby buildings, some of them already on fire. It's been a long battle already and Anthony Lloyd's been talking about the heavy loss on both sides. He says the Ukrainians are really putting up a fight but they're struggling because they're under heavy artillery fire from Wagner mercenaries. And actually, Anthony Lloyd's been speaking to Times Radio as well. He gave an interview describing it as a totemic battle and says it reflects the attritional nature of the war because it's been changing throughout the past year. Both sides, in order to fulfil a quite maximalist war aims in Ukraine's case, quite rightly, it wants a full return of all its sovereign territory. And, and in Russia's case, it wants to break and subjugate Ukraine, which was its initial war aim. Well, in the absence of anything else, that's representing the battlefield by just this incredibly brutal series of battles off in Donbass, yeah. where both sides seek essentially to kill enough of each other's soldiery and destroy enough of the opposition's materials that they hope one side will finally break. Um, now, whether that happens or not, um, I don't know, but the bloodshed is monumental at the moment and there seems no other way of, of ending the war meantime. But what's really interesting is that Anthony Lloyd talks about how Ukrainian officials and Western allies are aware that the city might eventually be fully encircled. Right. So they're playing down its strategic value. The whole piece is worth a read and you can do so by taking out a Times Digital subscription. Times Radio has been hearing from people voting in some very significant elections in Nigeria, which is Africa's most populous country and biggest economy. It's all happening today. Tens of millions of voters are heading to the polls as we record this. There are 18 candidates altogether, but three main frontrunners. The Africa managing editor at Semaphore, Alexis Akwajiram, told us who they are. Bola Tinubu, who represents the ruling party, which is the APC, there's Atiku Abubakar. This is his sixth time running. He's from the main opposition party. He's a former vice president. And there is Peter Obi, who is the third party candidate. He's representing a much smaller party called the Labour Party. It's not an election that's about policies. It's about personalities. 
And the context of the lead up to this is really interesting. So there's been a massive cash shortage, which was caused by a botched attempt to redesign the currency. And there's been complete chaos at banks and cash machines as desperate people are seeking to access their money. Not only that, but inflation has more than doubled, oil production has nearly halved and economic growth has slowed to 1.1% annually. Because of all of this, there are 10 million more registered voters than in 2019, and a huge percentage of those are young. And actually, the fact that there are so many young voters means they could play a huge role in this election and completely change the landscape of Nigerian politics. There's been a big debate in the UK over the past week or so, and it's centred around one of our most famous authors. We're talking about Roald Dahl. He's the man who wrote Matilda. Another film adaptation of that was released a few months ago. As a musical, no less. And he is a prolific children's writer. He wrote from the 1960s through to the 90s. Now, this debate's come after a decision by the publisher Puffin to censor some of his works. They've done it, in their words, to ensure that it can continue to be enjoyed by all. So, for example, some characters aren't described as fat or ugly anymore, and everyone's been weighing in on it. The Prime Minister, author Sir Salman Rushdie, and even the Queen Consort herself. Please remain true to your calling, unimpeded by those who may wish to curb the freedom of your expression or impose limits on your imagination. Enough said. This story's been developing throughout the week, and yesterday Puffin said they'd release an uncensored classics collection alongside the more sensitive version. Well, this morning, The Times has the latest. They've reported that people who already own ebooks are seeing them being updated automatically. The Times has been speaking to people involved in the publishing world. They say it feels Orwellian that ebook readers don't get a say in what version of the book they wanted. Today it was revealed the manager of English football team Chelsea, he's called Graham Potter, and he's been receiving death threats aimed at him but also at his family because of how his team has been performing. So Chelsea are currently 10th in the Premier League and fans say they're not living up to the £600 million spent in the transfer window in the last six months. Potter's been criticised for lacking enthusiasm and passion for the game, but he says it's a reflection on his calm and measured demeanour. The abuse has been described as unacceptable. That's almost it for today, but before we go, we'll give you a sneak preview of what's coming up tomorrow. We'll hear from Ellie Austin. She's written a piece for the Sunday Times about a town in Idaho where four university students were murdered in November. She's told us what it's like there. I thought maybe winter in Idaho is always quite bleak, and I, I think it is to an extent, but the students I spoke to said everything still feels very difficult, understandably. We're trying to move on after two months, but obviously Obviously, everyone is still really struggling with the psychological impact of what happened in November when those four students were killed. That's today's World in 10. Thank you very much for listening. Tune in tomorrow for more of the best of the Times of London. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, It's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Cross wires which is taking place in some really amazing venues across sheffield from the 31st of may to the 2nd of june so other podcasters that you'll be able to see include katie price Catherine ryan romash ranganathan and the original adam buxton but there's also a whole host of free fringe events family shows surprise acts and after parties that jane and i haven't yet been invited to I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information.